0: Welcome to the Dealmakers Coffee Break, where we talk to industry pros about their success stories, deals, and market insights in just enough time for you to enjoy a cup of coffee. So grab your mug and join us for a chat with the people behind the deals. I'm Asaf Raz. Let's go. So welcome to another episode of The Dealmaker's Coffee Break. And today I have a special guest, which I also, a shameless plug for me, he's also a client of Agora, which I work in. His name is Garangala. He is an lending expert, podcaster, and entrepreneur in the world of real estate. He talks a lot about real estate and specifically how to develop, raise capital in this uh, climate. So Garang, without further ado, please present yourself to our audience and we'll continue from there.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Garang Gala. I am CEO and co founder of Gala Investments. And our philosophy here is making investing simple and accessible to a really big community and Mm -hmm. diaspora here in the United States, which would be what I call new Americans, right? Mm -hmm. These are first and second generation immigrants to the United States. And I use the term new American because mm-hmm. once you come to this great country, whether you came in 1905 or 2005, you're still a new American. Mm-hmm. And I love using that term. I wanted to catch on more instead of the word Immigrant, because not just in the U.S., but all across Europe, Mm -hmm. other parts of Asia, Mm -hmm. it's become a negatively connotative thing, Mm -hmm. and we want to make it a positive thing, right? Because if you see some of the greatest entrepreneurs are first and second generation new Americans, to the US, whether it's people like Elon and others Mm -hmm. who have come to the US to pursue their careers. Mm -hmm. That's that's
0: great. I feel like you have a a very strong personal connection to what you call new Americans. You've been doing it since MKM Commercial Realty back in 2015, right? For at least two years there helping new Americans navigate landscape and uh, to purchase, lease, or sell their business or investment asset. And you've done that throughout your history, right? You've done, everything you've done was kind of connected to it. Can you share with me why is that so close to you and how does that portray within your um, strategy and your current investments, what you're doing with uh, Gala?
1: Yes. So one of the craziest things I realized was even though my father had money in the bank and wanted to start a business, he was not able to do so because he didn't have that network of lenders and those relationships because of the fact that his English was not the greatest and a lot of people didn't take him seriously, right? Mm -hmm. But he had the business acumen, entrepreneurship, and those kind of things. So my goal when I got into this was giving first and second generation immigrants the access to capital, the access to knowledge, and really the access to financial services, right? And mostly through lending and real estate. When I started, that's what I did as a small business banker and as a commercial real estate agent. I was giving access to these people Who had worked really hard 10, 20, 30, 40 years and had saved up all of this money, but they really didn't know how to invest it Mm -hmm. and how to be able to scale their companies and small businesses into larger businesses because they didn't have access to capital. Mm -hmm. So one thing leads to another. I become a lender and a banker Mm -hmm. to help these people. And a majority of my clients. Even today, I would say over 75% of that are first-generation new Americans. And I myself actually am one as well, mm-hmm. right? I was born in India. My parents immigrated here when I was five years old to the United States. My father came to America with $100. And, you know, the typical immigrant story, build a large business, you know, and now is worth millions of dollars.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's a more of a real estate connection. It feels like a personal connection of creating that, you know, it's, it's, it's like a well for people that, you know, they came to the States and they didn't actually know how to do that. That's such a great connection to, to what you do. And actually coming from the lender side, I feel like you need a lot of guts to be on the lending side, specifically for what you call new Americans that are not very familiar with the American economy not necessarily know how to bring up a good business or know how to recognize a good investment. How does that work? How did that work in terms of lending money in that direction?
1: A lot of these guys and women are extremely hard workers, extremely talented. They just don't know how to explain it Mm -hmm. to an underwriter. And if many of you have worked with underwriters, these are people Mm. that sit in a cubicle in front of a computer And crunch numbers. They don't understand the real world aspects, right? And that is the job of the banker or lender to explain to the underwriter and provide color. Mm -hmm. So that's really what I do is I provide color to the underwriter to say, hey, this guy really needs the loan. He has this, this, and this background, and he's going to be able to succeed if we lend him this money. Mm -hmm. Well, Because I know how underwriters think, it helped me transition very easily into raising capital for real estate development projects. Mm -hmm. And so that is where I've transitioned to today, becoming a real estate developer in one of the hottest markets in the country today. So we are in the research triangle of North Carolina, Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill. Mm -hmm. We have the highest concentration of PhDs outside of Silicon Valley. We're really number one in biotech in the whole world, top five in pharma, and top 10 in tech Mm -hmm. in the US. Mm -hmm. And so we have done really well here, and it's helped me to be in a great market like. North Carolina and the Research Triangle to be able to have access to these great pieces of land to develop multiple projects
0: mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's amazing. So let's talk about uh, you know these projects. Let's talk about the current state of the market, right? it's It's something that comes up almost in every episode. But what is your strategy currently? What are you doing with you know higher interest rates, higher cap rates? right? Some of the assets that you might've went into invest a long time ago, the circumstances might've changed. What are you doing today in terms of capital raising, but also in terms of development of real estate?
1: So one of our philosophies around real estate development has been to find infill, and I call urban infill, and what I call a new category that I've coined, it's called suburban infill. So these are areas not really in the urban downtown core, but right outside of the urban downtown core in what I call the suburban core. And these are areas now that as many of these cities grow, they are becoming heavily populated and more densely populated. Mm -hmm. Another one of our strategies is that With a lot of work from home, hybrid work schedules and everything, the advent of AI, machine learning, algorithms, everything that's going on. And I think also like in security, cybersecurity, where anyone can work from anywhere in the world, the need and the real demand today is for housing Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Jobs can be automated or they can be work from home, but everyone is going to need a place to live. That's true. And unlike parts of Europe and Asia where you're seeing population decline, in the United States, we're adding anywhere from 1.5 to 3 million people a year. Wow. Outside of the COVID years, right? Wow. And so there's a constant demand for housing. And a single family home or a townhome, any type of housing product, has about a 60 year lifespan. And there really hasn't been mass housing built in the United States since the end of World War II. And that 60 years, 70 years is coming up mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. So Our thesis is there's about a 5 to 6 million home shortage in the U.S. Municipalities take an extremely long time to approve these projects. Our current project right now, the terraces at West Cary, took us 18 months to rezone. And we're probably going to spend another 12 months through site plan. So you're all in almost two years before you even put a shovel in the ground. Wow. Wow. And this has caused in our environment to deal with an elongated cycle. Mm -hmm. So we expect that by the time we have these units for sale, we're going to ebb and flow out of the recession.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. Also, I know that... um what well, we've seen, we've seen this uh, more like a, of a trend where people are, they've been used to the last 14 years, right? I've, I've, I've talked about this and I think in all of the episodes, it was a bull run. It was crazy. The interest rates were artificially low, right? Low to almost zero. People are used to having free money, right? So if you, if you lend free, free money, it's easier for you to go hard, right? And then you get to a point where, you know, you do, you say, okay, I'll take more risks, right? I'll start taking loans year by year. I'll start bridging my loans, right? I'll start trying to get lower interest rates every year that it goes by. And then all of a sudden, the market changes. It, it literally flipped on. Overnight. Over 100%. On, uh, overnight. overnight. And then, you know, everyone who's experienced, the people that are more experienced within the market, the, the, the mostly people that have seen 08, but understand how a bubble works, they kind of expected it. And we felt it. We felt it. We felt it throughout this what we call this crisis, but the smaller individuals or the smaller syndicators that went into this business and were sure that every year are going to be able to get a good loan just to bridge out what they did before and get the best rates every year, they are now dealing with the consequences of that, right? And I know that well, most of the market won't as long as you have good cash flowing properties and, like you said, people are looking for housing and jobs. There are jobs, so it's not a wait but people that are going to be some people are going to be stuck with 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 properties pretty soon and then they have two options right call capital or sell which i think could be a great opportunity so what do you think about this this scenario like have you experienced that have you seen anyone experience experiencing that today um does that sound familiar
1: no 100% percent mm-hmm. this is where i think having conservative financial projection yeah and for what we do, we're out looking for construction lending, right? Mm-hmm. And finding the best general contractors, builders, partners to partner with us on these projects. And I'll tell you, right now, it's hard. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for lending right now. I've been said no to by twelve banks,
0: mm-hmm. and you're it's a lender. Extremely and, difficult. And you're a professional to find lending. And you're a professional yes. lender you know the business.
1: I mean, I know how to structure everything. Mm -hmm. I mitigate risk and do all of these things. It's just extremely difficult. We're lucky that we have so many relationships Mm -hmm. that we still are getting term sheets to lend. I'm picking up a term sheet today. Mm -hmm. I have two other term sheets. So we're going to have three other banks fighting for our deal. But that's because we're very low LTV, we've raised a significant amount of capital, and we've actually overraised from our projected budget, because we want to make sure we have enough capital. And at the end of the day, the cash on cash return and the ROI comes in higher because we're able to complete those projects. There's less stuff out on the market, and we still know the demand is high, because you have to remember, like I said, The ordinary consumer is not feeling this recession. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They all have jobs. They're still getting paid and their wages are going up. And in the US, we are down to 4%. And I expect that number to come down. Mm -hmm. For us, I think that's great. We have about three to four projects, well over 150 million in the pipeline that. As we build through this year and early next year, we'll come online next summer, Mm -hmm. which I believe 2024 summer is going to be booming all the way up until 2029. Wow. This is the roaring 20s. We have to remember millions of people, you know, unfortunately passed during COVID and these were working age people. And so there's a huge, dearth in the global workforce of skilled workers and until that catches up as colleges start graduating younger people and they're trained which could take a decade or more i i think this is the decade of the worker mm-hmm. and as that occurs i think you're going to see a lot more buying power and demand because at the end of the day western economies the us europe canada australia and the uk are all consumer based economies and the consumer is strong so that's the bet that we're making and the other bet we're making is that no matter what automation occurs people still need a place to live that's true but what we have done is we're building townhomes apartments and those kind of things for the modern worker for millennials and gen mm-hmm. z mm-hmm. and the reason why i did that i'll segue into this mm-hmm. is i bought my first single family home i'd i'd owned townhomes and condos in the past when i bought my first single family home in 2018 and i realized that the technology and the type of things that they were using in those homes was the same technology from the 80s and 90s. Yeah. I ended up spending about thirty dollars to $35,000 in just upgrading all of my lighting to smart lighting, LEDs, adding solar, adding electric vehicle charging, adding a smart home component with a thermostat and a doorbell with a camera, those kinds of things. And it's shocking to me that these large publicly traded builders do not offer that. So we feel that there is a niche created by the 2008 housing collapse where all of these middle tier builders went away. Mm -hmm. And our goal is to fill in that niche between the large publicly traded companies Mm -hmm. and then your fly-by-night mom-and-pop builders. And that's where we want to fit in. The goal is to have, you know, revenues by the end of the decade, under a billion, but in the hundreds of millions where we're building anywhere from three to 500 housing units a year.
0: Wow. That's a great strategy. So this is when we do what I call a shameless plug. So this is the opportunity to share what you're looking for exactly, your contact details, website, and anything like that. It's shameless. So go ahead. Awesome.
1: Well, if you guys would like any additional information, feel free to reach out to me through our website, galainvestments.io. Our focus is on commercial and residential real estate development in the Southeast, which includes the Carolinas, Georgia, and Florida. And we will be launching our next fund. It is a $40 million fund, New American Capital Fund One towards the end of this year. Mm -hmm. And we are always looking for LPs. And if you are an experienced GP in the Southeast and you'd like to partner up on a deal or talk to me, feel free to reach out to my email my first name garang g-a-u-r-a-n-g at galainvestments.io thank you everybody and i appreciate us all for having me on the pod thanks man thank
0: you so much garang it was great having you and uh, we'll see you all in the next episode of the dealmakers coffee break thank you for joining us check out more episodes on the dealmakers podcast available on spotify apple music google podcasts and agora's website at agora slash podcast see you in the next
1: episode